Greetings, everyone. This is your boy Bryce from Brothers on Tennis. Probably the first thing that you recognize is that I don't have my partner in crime with me tonight. Isaac, he is out on vacation, but we have an amazing guest for you this evening. When we look back on the 2022 year, um, I think all three of us from Brothers on Tennis would enthusiastically say our highlight of the year was when we got an opportunity to interview both Venus and Serena Williams in New York this summer. Uh, that had been a goal of ours since we started this show a little bit over three years ago. So our guest tonight is no stranger to either one of those ladies. We have with us tonight, Mr. Eric Heckman, who is probably best known as the coach of both Venus and Serena Williams. And so what I wanna do is I wanna just go ahead and jump into it. So without further ado, Eric, welcome to Brothers on Tennis. Thank you guys, thank you so much for having me. Oh, it is our pleasure. And I'll tell you what, Eric, the people don't know, we've been working on this for probably about six months now, trying to get this scheduled. So I really thank you for your commitment in seeing this through. Of course, glad to be here. All right. Well, let's start off a little bit about who is Eric Heckman. Uh, where did you grow up? Where are you from? How did you get introduced to tennis? Give us the background. Yeah, I mean, I grew up in uh, Miami. Uh, I started a little late uh, in the sport. And uh, I've always been very competitive and into a bunch of different sports, uh, from football to basketball. And, and I like the individualism to it. So I did, I did relatively well as a junior. Um, wanted to stay in Miami and I was always a big hurricane fan and ended up playing for UM and had some great moments there in, in college. And then, uh, right after college, didn't know which path I was going to take. Um, I, I'm so competitive. That I was like, all right, I'm not going to be a pro I'm out of tennis. And I went into law school actually for, for a little bit. I was teaching on the side just a few players, juniors, and I loved it. You know, I loved coaching them. I loved uh, seeing them blossom and become better adults and better players, et cetera. Um, so an opportunity came up at uh, the tennis club that I'm still the director of, Royal Palm Tennis Club in Miami. And, uh, you know, I ended up leaving law school 2008 and full speed into tennis. I was on the court. 10, 12 hours a day teaching uh, juniors, a lot of high-level juniors, and uh, playing with them, figuring out different ways to get into each player's head and get the best of them. You know, sometimes you make some mistakes on the way, and and uh, you figure out, you know, a methodology to uh, to get the best out of out of your player. So um, Jessica Green introduced me to Venus. Um, I think it was probably 2012 um and i would hit with her and in, in palm beach uh from from time to time just just hitting and uh i remember serena always being there next to her and their dad being there and i've had a good relationship with him probably since then so long time and uh 2019 venus called me and uh started working together and we get along great and understand each other so I've had a good relationship 
since then and and then uh got lucky enough to get a call from serena so here and here i am you know so i, I tell you what eric if everybody was so lucky to just get a call from Verena, from venus williams and then get a call from serena williams <laughs> that's what well, you know what that tells us there was absolutely something that they saw in you or their experience with you or their connection with you that told them that you would be a good fit. What is it that you think, or maybe they've even expressed to you that was such a good fit about you and them? Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm relatively uh, low key, you know, but hardworking, you know, ways that I would probably describe the way that I work and, uh, and to the point and honest, you know, and, and coaching. Right. So try to leave a lot of the fluff behind and, and get, get the best out of your player, you know, but still always maintaining that confidence in them. Right. That's, that's, those are those fine though. They probably a combination of those things. You know, I do have a question for you. You are a self-described, very competitive person. And so I <laughs> I can kind of relate to that a little bit. I know how that plays out when you are the player, when you are the athlete. How does that play out when you're the coach? Similar and different, right? Um, I'd always say it's much harder watching and than playing, especially, you know, obviously if you into it and you really care about the result right so playing you know it's tough when you lose but at the end of the day you feel it you're controlling every point you feel it if somebody's beating you or you're beating yourself you know at least you have that control over it coaching you have a certain level of control but at the end of the day it's up to the player right so you can say okay maybe i should say this maybe i shouldn't right you know you kind of all all those things weighing in and out of mind and what are they going to decide in, in a match so it's similar you know and it uh i'd say it's just as much and way more nerve-wracking yeah but but it's equally as enjoyable i'd say that right so 2019 you start working with venus williams right so very different from the juniors that you've been working with someone who's already experienced the height of women's professional tennis. What was different about working with someone who was a previous number one, multiple Grand Slam champions, uh, a legend of the sport versus, you know, your experience of working with the juniors? Yeah, I mean, juniors or let's say younger pros, it's, mm-hmm. you're, you're coaching professionalism into them a little bit, right? And Venus is just the ultimate professional, right? From, you know, how she gets ready and how she mentally prepares and how she brings everything she can to the table. And if something's not working, how to work on it and and make sure that that it's ready for the next match or the next moment, right? So it's uh, the efficiency, it's, it's the professionalism, it's unparalleled. So to a certain extent, it makes, it makes life easier and that you're you're really only consumed with with somebody like Venus the tennis. It's it's great, you know. Right. Now the other side of that is once again coaching a legend. 
I'm assuming you have other distractions, right? I'm sure that there's more demands from media. I'm sure that there are more commitments for the player that could potentially take away from practice and other things that a coach really wants to do. How are you able to adjust to that? Yeah, I mean, as, as you know, I'm, I'm sometimes I'm not the best at following up in media or, or whatnot. So I don't, I don't think it was a massive adjustment. You know, I, I kind of professionally, I always put coaching my player first and whatever I'm, you know, I've got an immediate first and everything's second. So, you know, I'm, I made time for it when I was there and media, in my opinion, is very important sports and for the athletes. So um, thank you guys for all that you do. And uh, yeah, I, I would say it's not really a distraction. Oh, that's nice. Uh, we appreciate somebody having that perspective <laughs> with the media. So, okay, so we know that you were working with Venus for a number of years. And then how did the Serena thing happen? How did that phone call come about? Yeah, I mean, I've always had a good relationship with Serena, you know, and obviously uh, she got that itch to play tennis again. And at that moment, me and Venus were already practicing a little bit. Um, and, you know, here and there, very, very little. And uh, she was just coming back from injury. And, you know, Venus sent me a text. Hey, you know, Serena wants to play. Um, would you be interested? You know, so obviously I'd be interested, right? But, um, you know, it's more uh, I wanted to make sure Venus was – okay with it because you know at the end of the day i'm venus's coach and and uh you know obviously they're sisters so it's a little different very rarely would a coach be shared by a couple players but you know they're they're family and happy to do it gotcha so because you have the very unique perspective of having coached and worked with both of them can you give us a, like at least just a high level kind of contrast and compare between the two? Uh, we know there are a lot of similarities between them, but I'm sure there are some differences as well. Yeah, I mean, very similar um, power, um, work ethic, and uh, desire to win. Right, so you know they've got they've got those three glaring similarities. You know, everyone every human's different, right? So they definitely have different personalities. Venus is a little more direct, you know, Serena a little less, but, you know, great personalities talk to and have conversations with. And so it's, it's just different how you kind of, uh, how you get your message across to them. You right. know? And uh, Venus, Venus typically likes a little smaller group of people, Serena, a few more, but um but what they both do, which is great, is they recognize what their similarities and differences are and they make their situation work for themselves. And it's crazy. They're always, you know, they're always piggybacking off of each other for great ideas and ways to train. And, you know, it's, it's let's say, a partnership that's probably the greatest partnership in sports history, you know, doing those two, not just because they're sisters, but how they basically work together to both be incredible champions on and off the court. Right. Yeah, exactly. 
every aspect. So uh, one more question kind of about the whole Venus and Serena thing. So you clearly know them in a way that most people don't. What is one thing about each one of them that you wish people kind of knew or understood about them that probably isn't generally known? Um, hmm, good question. So, um, <laughs> I mean, Venus, it's almost like kind of she is who you see she is, you know? Um, every, I'd say the, the thing with her is everyone would think, okay, there's something different, you know, that we don't see in the media, you know, she, maybe she's this or that, but no, nah, she's authentic, authentic and in the public eye, private eye, just kind of a, a genuine human, you know, quiet, humble, super humble for everything that she's accomplished. And so I think that would be, I know it's not something different, but it, it's different in that, in that sense, you know, and uh, Serena, I mean, she, she talks a lot in the media, so she kind of gives a lot of those things away. And I'd say it's pretty similar in, in the sense that you see what you get, but she's, uh, you know, I would consider her at times an enigmatic, but in a fun way, right? So, you know, sometimes you're figuring out what she's saying and whatnot, but it's, you know, it's, there's no nothing bad in it. And it's, it's a really enjoyable way to, to talk to somebody, right? So whether it's from a coaching perspective or, you know, as a, as a friend, it's, she's got that, you know, that aura, right? That uh, I think that's why everyone kind of is drawn to her as, as such a great athlete. Mm -hmm. So Eric, I want to talk a little bit about what the summer was like for you as a coach. I mean, we've already stated you're working with two of the greatest legends of all time, but one of those legends comes out and announces that they're going to start evolving from tennis, which then increases the amount of media, increases the amount of eyes that are on her. You know, I saw you several times in Cincinnati at the practice sessions with both Venus and, and Serena. Uh, what was that like for you as a coach kind of dealing with that whole, and I, I don't want to really use the term media circus, but all of the attention that was given to Venus and Serena being back on court and Serena potentially maybe being the last time people saw her play. Yeah, I mean, I think a big thing there is having a very, uh, we were very businesslike, having a very structured and professional practice. You know, you were there at some of those practices and and really gluing their mind into the tennis, right? Always reminding them, you know, they know what they have to do out there, right? But providing that, okay, focus on X, focus on Y, you know, whether it's, um, specific pattern on the court from the ground strokes or something specific that they're doing from a detail oriented thing on a serve technical end, et cetera, you know, always having your mind just glued in there and glued in there. So you basically have those blinders on. Um, and I think Serena did unbelievable, you know, for the amount of time she took off coming back, dealing with all that pressure, you know, but at the end of the day, 
she's a champion. So she lives for those moments. And I feel like the bigger you can put the moment on her, the better she is, which, you know, it's just something I learned about her and, and what it takes to be a champion. Mm-hmm. You know, it's embracing those moments. And she, she, she's done that time in, time out. Okay. So when things get kind of crazy like that for you on tour and you finally get a chance to be home and it's a break or whatever, you get some time off, what is it that you do outside of tennis uh, to kind of just get away or to relax a bit? Yeah, I mean, I'm, I would say I'm definitely more of the antisocial type of person, you know, okay. so I'm not, I'm not terrible at being social, but when you're around people all the time, whether it's, you know, with them um, or at a tournament or even at the tennis club, you know, you're around people all the time. So you kind of, nature for me is my, is my break and my, my solace away from, let's say humanity and, uh, you know, I love going out there with my kids my kids love nature and exploring, fishing. And so luckily enough, uh, live in South Florida, which is, you know, some of the most tremendous outdoor activities you can do, you know, if you really dig into it. So say every chance we get, we're out there constantly. So I was going to say, because, you know, obviously I follow you on Instagram and there's many times that I'm liking the post from your that you do of your kids with and sometimes I get a little scared for them when when they're catching certain things or or whatever did they get the love of nature from you or is that something that just kind of came out of them yeah I mean a little bit of both right you know Mm -hmm. so I, I wanted them to you know just kind of understand the world around them from a young age just be exposed to everything sports music the outdoors, you know, kind of touch everything. So especially once COVID hit, I mean, they really got into the outdoors. We got the Everglades here, which just has so many amazing things and just seeing it raw on, you know, they just were drawn to it and they got into fishing, you know, and now it's, they like going to the canal and not just fishing, but catching things with their hands. So once one step further one step further so you know i've got a a bit of knowledge about it but i've had to uh you know sharpen my expertise in that area just to make sure i'm guiding them correctly and like you said safely so but um yeah i'd say they you know it's like anybody right venus and serena thrown into tennis by their parents their dad um you know you never know what they're gonna kind of grab onto and you just gotta go with it now, although Isaac is not with me here tonight, he would kill me if I did not ask this question. Uh, if you've watched any of our content, you know, we're big music guys. So who is it for you? Who's in your, your uh, headphones? Who do you listen to? What type of music do you like? Who are some of your favorite artists? Man, mine's, it's such a wide range. You know, I'd say most consistently for me, it's country music and Chris Stapleton, number one. Right? I love so I Chris. Said, <laughs> I mean, luckily enough, I was able to go to his uh, his concert that he had in South Florida. We got to meet him, and man, is is he uh, just incredible musician? You know, so in my opinion, 
When I went Two. to go see him in concert, the thing that blew me away is I did not know he was as good of a guitarist oh, as he is. I mean, that blew my mind. Yeah, I mean, he is he's, he's the ultimate in my mind. So, you know, he's, I, th I think I told him that, uh, you know, I play him probably 20% of the time, right? He's like, oh, <laughs> I guess that's better than, than uh, zero, you know, but if you're listening to somebody 20% of the time, that's a lot, right? That is a lot. That's a lot. So definitely number one country kind of overall is probably number one genre, but I do like, I like rock. Um, I like 90s grunge rock a lot, Nirvana. Um, so I'd say that's probably number two for me. And I like hip hop from my era. So like Dr. Dre, Tupac, DMX, you know. All right. That's thing. Um, not gonna, I'm not going to lie. I don't really like uh, today's hip hop. You know, it's not, it's yeah. not my thing. Not to, you know, I get it. People like it, but it's coming from that era. It's just, to me, it's can't compare. Eminem. Mm -hmm. You know what, Eric? I find here in my house that I play older music so much more than I play today's music. Uh, and I know. And I know I'm sounding like a really old guy right now, but uh, I, I'm, I'm telling you, every day I'm probably listening to Earth, Wind, and Fire, you know, still, and the Jacksons, and and for yeah. me, Prince, and all of that. That's what I listen to every day more so than Drake and Cardi B and and all of that. Yeah, I mean, like I said, not 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 my thing, you know, but right. he keeps their own. So question for you, and I know this may be kind of taboo to talk about this, but we know at some point both Venus and Serena will stop playing professionally. And, but you're relatively young as a coach. Mm -hmm. um, are you looking to stay or to continue coaching at the professional level? And if so, are you strictly, you know, on the women's side or would you have interest in coaching a male player? Yeah, I mean, before them, to be honest, I've mostly coached male players, you know, okay. um, you know, some good, good players that got lower levels in pro and juniors and college. So that was my main, I'd say kind of niche, not that, you know, everyone's different, but, you know, going forward, it's, to be honest, I'm not truly thinking about that, right? Like, I mean, I'm, I'm taking it in the moment and when and if that day comes, um, I'll see where I'm at and what opportunities present itself and do what I'm happiest with. I mean, I'd say I wouldn't, I wouldn't coach a professional player if I didn't really enjoy the partnership that we would have, you know? So I truly enjoy the partnership that I have with, with Venus, but you know, to go to go on the road that much away from my family, um, it has to be okay. You know, I believe in this player. We've got a we've got a good rapport, and, and let's go for it. So, you know, that's you know, I'm 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 young, but you know, got three kids, so that's uh, right, right. You, you step on that airplane, you know, it's got to be uh, got to be worth it, right? So. Right. 
So is there a kind of like a network um, on tour with the coaches? I mean, uh, do like when you're at a big tournament, do like you and Sven Gronefeld and a couple others get together in a hotel bar and, uh, you know, is that, does that kind of relationship exist? Yeah, I'd say just in the whole industry, you know, between Mm -hmm. agents and people of clothing companies, Evan Zeter, who's, uh, you know, who's the best man at my wedding. Uh, We've known each other since we were kids, you know, and he's the head of tennis at New Balance now and doing unbelievable things over there. And uh, so it could be somebody like him. It could be a fellow coach. There's just, it's like any industry, you know, Um, what's different is in tennis, it would be like all the NBA teams, probably like it was in the bubble and COVID, right. All coming together and, you know, you have, you have your social niches and new people come in that maybe you knew from playing and now they're on the tour coaching. And so it's, uh, it happens. I'd say for me, much less in, in New York, you know, with both sisters going, I'd say social aspect was, was extremely limited there. Right. So, right. but, um, you know, for good reasons, it was limited. So. Right. Well, let's talk about where we're at now. And it's, it's interesting that we actually got the schedule for today because I saw in the news yesterday that Venus was awarded a wild card to the Australian Open, as she should. Uh, so I was very happy to see that. And then today, I believe I saw that she committed to the ASB um, uh, tournament down in Australia ahead of the Australian Open. Uh, so what does 2023 look like for Venus? And are we going to see more doubles or is she going to focus primarily on singles? Any insight there? Yeah, so, you know, um, I'm excited to go to the first term at the ASB in Auckland with her. And uh, she's got that one, um, essentially a week of practice and then the Australian Open. She's been practicing extremely hard all through the fall. Um, basically like an extended off season, uh, you know, like she always does, she's put in the work, she's healthy and, uh, and excited. So I think, I think focus will be single, not doubles. And, uh, you know, she, uh, I definitely believe she can do some damage and I never want to see Venus Williams in my draw if I was, if I was another player, you know, right. so, or Serena. But, uh, but she's, she's excited. I'm excited. And I think it's, uh, I think we got some good times going forward. Good, good. And then of course, Serena, we know she has chosen to use the word evolution from tennis versus retirement. And we've seen a couple of things in the news about, well, I'm not retired or she isn't going to play. Will we see Serena Williams on a uh, professional tennis court sometime in 2023? Um, right now, she's enjoying time with her family, you know, and that that door is always open to her. And anytime she would decide to come back, that, uh, it's obviously incredible for the tennis world, right? Right, absolutely. She's, a, she's also well-deserving to take whatever time she needs, if forever, to be off the court with her family, so. Absolutely. 
vague answer for you. I know, I know, and I, I know you gotta walk the line, but I wouldn't be doing my job if I didn't ask the question. <laughs> Get it? Yeah. So, and kind of in wrapping this up, is there it for our listeners and our watchers, viewers, I should say? Is there anything that you want to share about your thoughts about professional tennis? Like, let's let's get political here a little bit. Is there anything about the game right now or the rules or anything that if you were the commissioner of tennis and you would change something, is there anything out there that you would change? Yeah, I mean, uh, the match with Serena at the U.S. Open, it was it was incredible to see that type of crowd energy, right? Mm-hmm. So whatever any sport could do to obtain that type of crowd energy, you know, whether allowing fans to be more vocal, I'd be for that. It's, it's fair for both players, right? Um, mm-hmm. Would be incredible for the game. I mean, what people don't realize, tennis, tennis is probably one of the hardest professional sports, not just from playing it. Forget about that. It's the travel is, is probably more than any sport. Um, the expense that these players must endure for the travel, paying for their teams, travel, paying for their team's expenses, paying salaries, it's, it's, it's a big burden. And, you know, it's, it's cutthroat. They only get paid basically if they win, you know, for most players. So, you know, um, I think tennis, tennis professionals, are relatively underpaid sport, but um, I don't know if there's a fix to that. I'm not. I'm not on the business side of things there, um, and it would be great to see these incredible athletes that basically give up their whole life to travel 50 weeks out of the year, which you know, privilege and a curse all in one, um, rewarded. Um, but as far as rules, I mean. I'm a traditionalist in the sense that, you know, I like, I like the five setters that those guys have. I mean, some people say the shorter match could be exciting, but they're thrilling, right? I mean, just battle, you know, just ripping each other's guts out, you know, for hours and, you know, then the end is near after hour upon hour. How are they going to perform being mentally, physically tired? You know, Rafael Nadal's Australian open last year, just, it's inspirational. Right. Right. So, um, you know, there's, there's a lot of great things I I think with it, but just empowering the crowd more and finding ways for it to be more vocal, like many of the other sports like football, um, soccer, basketball, baseball, you know, I think will bring, bring another level of excitement. Like we saw at that USO this past year. I agree. I agree. Well, Eric, I really appreciate you taking the time to speak with us tonight. Um, We rarely get a glimpse into uh, the careers of such legends like you've provided for us tonight. Um, And it's really neat to to know that you as a coach um, have this very unique experience of of coaching two sisters, two legends uh, at one time. And it was great to hear about what your experience was like. So um, thank you once again. And we look forward to seeing you out on tour in 2023. Hopefully, uh, well, Venus will have some great times ahead. She, She definitely deserves it, so. 
and we are right there for it. <laughs> All right. So thanks, Eric. Take care, and we'll talk to you soon. Bye, Bryce. Thank you. Bye. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.